Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. Whether you are transforming yourself, your team, your business, or your community, we'll connect you with insightful and challenging leaders who share their stories of successful transformations to give you practical ideas for your own journey. Join us for another insightful episode of Creating Synergy. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, your host, and today we have we are welcome back again Michelle Holland, who is the director of Synergy IQ. Hi there. Hello, Michelle. Thank you for being here again. No problem. We are gonna discuss resistance to change today. Mm. Seems a, a quite a topical um, piece at the moment. Yes. So I was just interesting to he- interested to hear your thoughts about the whole subject yeah yeah absolutely synergy iq do a lot of work with the businesses in culture leadership and change mm-hmm. and you are seeing a lot of resistance to change at the moment well i'm seeing a lot of people talking about resistance okay. definitely but it, and it's always part of any time you engage in a transformation or or um, change process there's the element of people not necessarily wanting that change and that's generally called resistance really? to change. But there's many different reasons why people resist change if they're going to. But I think the first most interesting um, conversation or topic is do people actually resist change? Yeah, I was going to ask that question. Mm. Is it something that you would see quite often and then why, I guess, do do why is change such a taboo thing for people (laughs) it is funny actually because i think um uh, we were talking with uh, one of our clients not long ago and they were saying we don't use the word change anymore it's become the c word in the uh, in the office Uh, and it is really interesting i think because change is often uh difficult for people and and it is because particularly organisational change, when we're looking at organisational change, it might be that we are introducing a new way of working or a new system or a new practice or a new person or whatever the change may be. It might be we're delivering a new service now to our customer, we're delivering a new product, we're engaging in a different way. And unless people are really involved in that creation of the idea, there is usually some trepidation about what that change is. The other aspect is that change isn't managed very well in most organisations. There's uh, this assumption, I think, from many people or many managers that if the change looks good, then people should just get on board and do it. Mm. The unfortunate thing is, is generally you think the change looks good because you've created the change yourself. People don't resist change that they create themselves. So people don't resist change that has a big benefit for them. Mm. You know, if I handed you a million dollars, that's a change. It's a change to you. That's a change change to your life. A change I reckon I'd be able to handle pretty well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Most people would be quite happy to be handed a million dollars and figure it out along the way. What does that mean as far as change in my life? Because there's a lot of what's in it for them. Yeah. Whereas change in organisations is sometimes thrust upon people uh, and because we don't manage it very well, there is a lack of you know, communication, there might be a lack of understanding about what this change actually is. Yeah. So it, it is a really interesting thing to think about because, you know, as humans, 
we change and evolve every day. You know, the person that we were when we were two years old does not exist anymore. That person has completely disappeared and we have changed, evolved, morphed into a completely different human being. Mm. So we do that constantly. We're constantly changing in a physical format. We get older, get more wrinkles, you know, we change our hair colour, whatever it might be. We're constantly changing. So what is change in an organisation though? Because we work with a lot of clients uh, and corporations, businesses that believe when we walk in there for the first time, they believe that change is literally moving this piece of information from here to over there or we're getting this new product and Mm -hmm. we want it to be rolled out yeah is that more project management or is what what's the difference between project management and change management maybe it's probably a better question yeah so uh, companies make change all the time and the change that's being made might be the new program or it might be the new product it might be the we're moving offices or we might move to you know the activity-based working is quite popular um, nowadays as well so we're changing the environment that change is going to happen regardless. The difference between managing the change that happens, which is project management. So I'm implementing a new computer system. I'm going to set milestones along the way. There are certain activities I need to do. There's purchases that I need to make. There are things that I have to do to actually make that change happen. So I've now introduced a new CRM, let's say, um, into the business. I can do that and do it quite simply in a project management um, methodology. methodology. The real issue with change is that if I introduce this new system, there are human beings that actually have to utilise that system to make it efficient, to make it work, to make it useful, to make it worth my time implementing the system. And money. Mm. That's exactly right. So it's the human being part of it and it's the actual acceptance of the change and the application of the change and the applied, you know, experience that I've got into a different way of working. That's where change management is really important. So, and you know, the term change management to me is the wrong terminology Mm. as well because the project manager actually manages the change. Yes. You know, that's the change that happens. The change manager, as we tend to call them, is the, actually the person that helps manage the human interaction with this new way. And it's the, the acceptance of change. It's the engagement in change. It's the adoption of the change that actually is what's managed by yeah. the change manager. So why can't? the project manager do it all? The project manager could absolutely do it all with the right capabilities. There's no reason why a a project manager has got a really good understanding of the way in which humans interact, the way in which humans behave and change. There's no reason they couldn't do it. I think what's ended up happening is we've created this, um, you know, change manager role because, you know, a lot of project managers, they get really busy and they want to hit those milestones and they don't necessarily have enough time to put into speaking with all of the people that need to be spoken to, yeah, key, stakeholders. key stakeholders, and really understanding what it means for them. Yeah. A lot of project managers tend to have a very technical 
understanding of the change that they're making. So particularly in that IT space, you know, they've got the really good understanding of that technical application and how it actually shifts and moves and how to get the tech people involved and all the moving parts that need to happen to create the change. They don't necessarily have the skill set to enable them to go, okay, how is the end user going to actually interact with this system? Mm. How is the person that works with the end user going to be impacted by the fact that this end user is now distracted into something else? You know, is there an impact on that team environment? So I think with organizational change, and particularly if it is something that goes across the whole you know, business, business unit yeah. or the whole business, there is a, uh, a culture shift that needs to happen. There is a group dynamic shift that happens in change. There's team dynamic that happens in change. And then there's the individual change that actually occurs as well. So having an understanding of how groups change, how organizations change and the cultural elements that sit across of that help you to understand the nature of what we need to look at when we're looking at change. A lot of time we end up just focusing on the process change, which is important, but we forget about the interactive human individual change. Mm -hmm. So when we think about an organization, say the the organization has 3,000 people, not only do we have to think about how the organization is changing and how the, the culture might impact on that change, not only do we have to think about how each individual group might be interacting with this new system and then the processes that sit in between the systems and how they go from one team to the next team, but then we've got each individual person within each individual team that's responding to this change in a different way. Mm. Some people will absolutely grab hold of it and run with it. Yep. And then there's others that won't. And that's those others are the ones that we call change resistors. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that they are resisting their change. They might be just not understanding mm. what the change is or the not believing it. The communications have been... Absolutely, yeah. So I've been doing, I mean, I've been involved in change for a very, very long time and looking at different, you know, ways that people do resist and looking at um, the research that people have, you know, um, come out with as far as why people seem to resist, as we call it, change. And there seems to be 10, what I've I've kind of boiled up to 10 key categories Mm. of why people actually resist change. So I can go through them with you. I, I, my next question is what are <laughs> the common uh, resistances that you would see? Is that, is that even a word? What are the common um, ways ways that people will? Or wise. Yeah. yeah, it's probably more wise Why people, people resist, would, would change. resist change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first one is the why. That's what I've, I've put it down to is the very first one and this is the one we more often see is missing in organisations, particularly in that more project change space is a really clear understanding of why, a really clear purpose, really um, inspiring meaning behind the why. You know, why are we putting in this new CRM? It's not just the new CRM that's important. It's the what happens as a result of that. What are the benefits for this change? Like what is, what can I get behind that's going to get me excited about this new way of working 
because it's going to take time for me to learn something new. It's going to take energy from me to do something different. Why am I going to do that if I'm not excited by the the future? Mm. So do that, we even need the new product? Is do that, we is even that, need so it? Does yeah. that mean that change should start? Where does change start? Change, well, it can start in many different places, but I think one of the critical aspects of, of if you're going to be running a project or making organizational change is to be really, really clear about why you're doing it. Okay. Like really, really clear and so clear that you and anybody else around you can communicate it to mm. other people. So if I go into an organization and I say to um, you know, a staff member, why are you implementing this new CRM? And they say, because management told me to. Then we've got an issue. We've got a problem. Yeah, absolutely. If they can then say to me, well, what we've discovered is that the customer journey is going to benefit from having this CRM because it allows us to connect into three different points. It allows us to engage with them in a different way. It allows them to us to serve them in a different way, it increases their experience because we're not distracted with this other stuff so we can focus on them. If they start talking to me about that, then I go, okay, we're, we're, we're here. We're, yeah. It's good. So it's a purpose-led thing again. It's a purpose-led thing, absolutely. So there mm-hmm. has to be purpose, there has to be meaning behind that why for people to actually get on board to with it. In. And if they don't see it, they're not going to buy in with it. Yeah. So that's number one. Even if they don't buy in, if they communicated correctly, they, they tend to – not resisted as much, I guess. Yeah, well, it's the understanding yeah, of correct. why. They understand, you know. well, yeah, I see why. Yeah, I can I'm not, see why. I'm not supporting it, yeah. but it, yeah. it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. That's right. There's a logic behind it. Even. Yeah. So that goes on to number two, which is the WIIFM yes. <laughs> or WITHM. Uh, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And look, that one is very much on an individual basis. If we are going to engage with a new way of working or a new technology or a new product or a new way of you know speaking to our customers or whatever it is there has to be some benefit for me to yeah. do that well new crm is exactly something that you know the people out in the field how does this benefit me absolutely it only benefits head office totally yeah. totally you know and if it's like i need to do this new reporting well how does that benefit me mm. it takes time away from me what does what is the benefit and this is where and this is a lot of the work that the change manager does is really finding out from individuals is what is it for them? What are the benefits that they can see that's going to actually help them do their job? Because if they can see benefits for them, then they'll get on board pretty Mm. quickly. If there's no benefits for them at all, they then need to connect back into that bigger picture why. And then what's in it for me is being part of something bigger than myself. Mm. That's a bigger connection piece that takes a lot more thought and energy around it. Um, but being able to understand what is, what am I doing in this? You know, what is my piece of this puzzle? Mm. Why is it going to be good for me? We're a selfish creature, us humans, so we need to understand if we're going to put our energy into something that we're going to get a return on that investment. And generally if that, there is nothing in it for them, it's either – it's not so much a resistance but a lack of care. There or? could be a bit of an apathy yeah. to it as well. And, I mean, some people will just get on with it and go, okay, I just need to do this report because my boss says so and I'll just do it. Mm. It's not to say that it will be the most engaging, yeah. you know, report that they'll ever um, get, but they'll do it. They just so change will. becomes about the journey. It does, it? absolutely. As opposed to the result. 
Yes, yes. And there has to be a lot of, com- there's a lot of conversation mm-hmm. in change. The other thing that we have to have, which brings me to number three, is the skills. People fear that they won't have the skills and the ability to actually do whatever the change is. Mm. Um, I worked in an organisation a number of years ago and they were putting in a new system and I remember speaking with a couple of the people, there were administrative people in the um, recreation centre and they were just going, I know the other system backwards and forwards. Like I know it's clunky and it's old-fashioned but I know it. And now they're asking me to learn this new system mm. and, you know, it's hard. I don't understand it. It's, you know, I've been using that other one for 10 years mm. and now I'm having to use this new one. And what if I get it wrong? What if I put something in the wrong place? You know, there's a real fear around competence. It's crazy, isn't it? It's quite amazing. And it's one of the fears that people don't tend to talk about as much either because they're actually fearful of if I can't do it and somebody knows that I can't do it, I might lose my job. Mm. So there's a huge amount of fear around that. Um, One of the the pieces of research that uh, Dr. Brene Brown did was that the number one fear in organizations is the fear of irrelevance. Mm. You know, and that really comes back to if something's it's shifting. It's not just organisations, though, isn't it? Oh, I think it's broader, yeah. definitely. But, you know, if something's shifting around me and I don't have the skills and the abilities to be able to pick it up straight away and somebody sitting next to me is picking it up straight away, then am I going to become irrelevant? Yeah. You know, am I going to be out of my comfort zone? So that might show up as I'm resisting the change, but actually it's a fear that I, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Is it as simple as the analogy, well, you learn how to crawl before you learn how to walk? Like is this, is it as simple as that? Like you just you have to give it a go. You have to keep fall, you have to fall over a couple of times. Yeah, and yeah. You'll get better and better. Absolutely. And this is, I guess, then where, so it is as simple as that. Um, and there's the complexity then of the culture. So if you're working mm. with an organisation as a culture of blame, if you get something wrong and you know that you're going to get blamed or you're going to get shamed yeah. because of it, then you're more likely to, you know, maybe kick up a bit of a stink or just, yeah. you know, refuse to use it, you know, that sort of Become thing. a tough yeah. employee. That's exactly right. So the next one is about identity. Mm. There's a lot of identity that's wrapped up in our roles. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden I'm going from being this uh you know, knower of all in my position that stands right now to a new job which, you know, might have most of what I was doing before but there's these new things that I have to do now or there are these new people that I have to work with. There's a lot of my identity that was wrapped up in this other job, mm. in this other way of working, in, you know, the, 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 old, the old ways. It's part of my identity. And letting go of that identity in that and moving to something completely new can be a real challenge for people, particularly if they really loved the old way. Mm. You know, there's um, a number of uh, clients that we've worked with, you know, particularly in that culture space where there are new, you know, new team of leaders have come in and gone, we're just going to make this big change and they've got all sorts of things happening and there's, you know, new um new ways of new processes in place or they're bringing in new systems and, you know, all of this stuff is happening around these people that have been there for years and years and years. And those people are going, but we really liked it the old way. (laughs) It was was okay for us. We were doing, you know, yeah, we weren't, you know, taking on the world or whatever, but 
we actually enjoyed it. We enjoyed the people we were working with. There wasn't a huge amount of stress in my job. I really liked that. Is that a lack of education, I guess, from their part in the sense is like, well, we can't become stagnant either. We can't just stick with the same product because you're used to it or because you like it. We actually need to think about moving forward. And is that is that a lack of uh, communication about the business's strategy mm. as well? It's like what, the reason why, it's, again, it comes down to communication. The reason why yeah. we're introducing this because we actually want to achieve these goals. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's a level of mindset yeah. in that as well. So, um, you know, we've talked previously obviously about growth mindset and fixed mindset. In a fixed mindset, what we do now is what we do mm. and why would I change and grow yeah. and do something different because I'm, I'm comfortable. Mm. You know, there's a lot of comfort in the things that we know it's to be safety true. Blanket, safety. That's exactly right. So if I don't... I don't feel it, you know, I'm not safe to move into something different, then it's there's fear there, there's a discomfort there, there's, you know, I'm but but everything was good before. Mm. You know, everything's good now. Why would I want to change? If I feel it's good, why would I want to change? You know? And look, the the reality is there are people that walk through life in comfort, you know, and they that's what they want. You know, they want to stay where they are. They don't you know, want a, a big mansion. They don't want, you know, that that growth. They, they're yeah. just happy doing what they're doing and going through their life and there's lots of people like that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it's that. It's when you are holding others back because of your ways is the issue, isn't it? That's exactly right because, yeah. you know, if you think about in change, the people who are resisting moving to something new because either, you know, one of these reasons, they become an anchor for that change you know and even if they're just not engaging with the change they feel like you know well it'll just happen around me it's fine they become an anchor for Mm. that change you know and and you can't move past it Um, that one there the identity one is probably the the most difficult one to move through because it is about their internal workings and that is something that you almost have to work with them on a one-on-one mm. basis and help them move through uh, that grief cycle to enable them to move to something different. And being able to talk with them about what is the same, that's so important as it's almost more important mm. than what's different. These are all the things that you'll still be doing mm. exactly the same as you were doing before. You can still go out to coffee with your mates. You can still, you know, file your stuff in that particular folder it's just that folder will now be over here in this system yeah you know all the things that are staying the same it's really helpful for people to think, particularly if they're really connected to that old way and that that old identity the identity is a really deep one in it because oh. the moment you walk out of that you walk straight into with them or what's absolutely me, you know and yes. then you so there's it's layers it's layers it, really? so the identity yeah. is quite deep yes yes in, absolutely in resistance to change does that that then requires a real solid skill set of handling change, isn't it? And if one of those people are a key influencer within the business, then That's exactly you could right. almost guarantee that change is not going ahead unless it's handled delicately, yes. I guess. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, which brings me to number five, which five. is other people. Good segue. It was a good segue. Well done, you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> other people. So, yeah. you know, when we look at changes that are happening, if we're seeing that other people are moving and changing and particularly they're people that we respect, 
then we're more likely to move in that direction as mm. well. We might do it slower than them. We so might the do it with, with the ship. Sheep. Theory. Oh, sheep. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is a we little just bit. Follow. follow the sheep. Yeah, mm. absolutely it is. You know, we are wired for connection. Mm. We are a, a tribal um, creature. So if our tribe is moving in a particular direction, then we'll have a tendency to follow that tribe. Mm. If our tribe is not moving in that direction, even if, you know, this other tribe is moving in that direction, we're more likely to be anchored in that one spot. Mm. So whoever I'm, you know, connected with, so this is where in organisations you'll find that um, people who resist change generally flock together. You know, they'll find ways of criticizing what's going on or um, saying that that leader or that leader isn't doing what they need to do mm. or this process is stupid and let's all do it the old way. There's generally one leader of that pack, isn't it, really? That, yeah, that there can a, be one or two usually. Yeah. There's an influencer in that um, and it's usually the the loudest person yeah. that, that's in the room, you know, making the, making the noise. Um, but this is where getting chain, those change champions and as much as it sounds kitsch to, you know, have that change champion, um, whatever title you want to give it, it's really important to have that cohort of people who are actually engaged in the change mm. and can start walking forward towards the change so that the other people can follow behind mm. them. That's really, really important yep. because the more that people are seeing that the change is marching in that direction, it's almost it's the tipping point, right? Well, it's, it's not the, being left behind piece mm, again. It goes back to that. It's that's really, right. I don't want to be standing out in the cold in the rain by myself. I want to be part of the part of the the, the crew. Team, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's those old marketing principles. You know, the early adopter, the late adopter. You know, that mm, sort of thing. Yeah. So change happens in the same way in organisations, and really understanding who your early adopters are. You know, your innovators, then your early adopters, etc getting those people on board will eventually the others will come along you know yeah. and if they don't then that's a whole other different kind oh, of conversation yeah. that you need to have <laughs> yeah then, then that goes back to culture again doesn't yes it? Yeah. yes absolutely and so trust is the next one um, and that really is a, a big individual and cultural issue is trust so do i actually trust that the change these leaders are making is going to be in our best interest mm. Do I actually trust what they're saying? Because, you know, in the past, they haven't told me the full truth. Mm. You know, they didn't tell me that there was going to be redundancies and then all of a sudden there was redundancies. So why would I believe them now? So just on that, because you say, do I trust that they're making the decision which is best for us? Mm -hmm. What if the decision is best for the customer? Where does it, where do you draw the line? Like, Where, where does it all there yeah yeah well i think that then goes back to that why again okay. as well and it connects back to that yeah. if we're making changes because it's going to be best for the customer then we have to really connect into why we're actually in the business in the first yeah. place if we're in the business to serve the customer and we're making a change that's best for the customer then that's the connection to why mm -hmm. but if i've got that disconnect you know, that, that disconnect with the, the, the ultimate why, yep. you know, I'm just here to run a process and that's my job is to run a process and that's how I've, you know, disconnected from the greater world because this process is my job instead of I run this process to serve the customer, yeah. that's why I do it, 
um, that's where that disconnect can come from. And look, trust goes both ways as well. So a lot of managers will hold certain information because they're mistrustful that it's going to be used in, a, in the wrong way. So if I tell you too much right now, are you going to then take me to the you know, industrial commission because mm. I've told you a little bit of information. So there's trust that goes both way mm. and it's based on experience from the past. Mm. You know, it might not be that I don't necessarily, it's not that I don't trust you as a person particularly, but last time I released that kind of information, somebody in my team two years ago, ten years ago, doesn't matter, took that information and created a poor situation. Use it against me. Exactly. So I'm going to hold it back. So trust goes both ways in these situations. What if you withhold information because you feel that it is not necessary for the other people to know? Is that as a leader? Yep. When I say not necessary, it could create more unrest than yeah. than not. Is that... Yeah. Is that a lack? Does that reduce trust by yeah, uncertainty. actually wanting the best for the people? Yeah, I think you really need to question yourself. If you're holding back information because you think it's not valuable for the others, why are you holding it back then? Mm. Or why is that information important anyway? Mm. If it's not important for them, then it's not important. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, or it's so then not it just something. So becomes a story you're telling yourself. That's about. right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it goes back to that. So trust is a really important thing in this, you know, and breaking through that is really important. Absolutely. Uh, the next one is communication. So we've talked about communication a bit. It's critical. It's critical. And look, in a lot of change programs, you do see, you know, a full-on communication plan that's been developed and mm-hmm. this is when this email is sent and that's when that newsletter is sent and this is when, you know, that process is updated and yada, yada, yada. What I'm talking about right now, particularly in the resistance of change, is the lack of of conversation that actually happens around change because change happens in the conversation. Mm. That's when it actually happens. That's when you can understand the what's in it for me. That's when you can understand that disconnection with the why. That's when you can understand if there is a faction, you know, brewing in the business that's going to hold you back from being able to change. Those conversations, and whether they're one-on-one conversations or they're group conversations, the whole point is having a conversation. Mm. So conversation is a dialogue that goes backwards and forwards. Yep. You know, we get um, a mistaken with a consultation in this space as well. So communication and consultation and conversation even. We unfortunately see them as one-way direction. So I've provided you with all of the information. I've given you the change report. I've given you the project plan. I've given you the the one pager on why we're changing. I've given you the step-by-step, you know, so I've given that to you. What I haven't done is have a conversation with you about it, Yeah, which is so, so essential. Does the conversation need to be had with them about what we're doing before it actually happens? Preferably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of honesty is always the best policy. Yeah. And if you the earlier you can get people involved in whatever change is being made, yeah. the better. Yeah. They'll get they'll want to be involved um, earlier. Now saying that there's different kinds of well, people. It creates the trust, it creates Absolutely. everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely different kinds of people that are, you know, engaged in businesses. Um, so some people get them right at the beginning and do that kind of 
big picture and yep. blue sky gazing stuff and they really get excited about that. There's other people, if you get them involved in that stage, they get a bit uncertain and not quite understand because they like uh, they like very clear process yeah. and step by step. And cool. if the process and step by step isn't there at that moment, then that might um, unravel them a little bit. So you've got to be understanding the people that you've got in the room as well and be very clear about the messaging. Mm. The messaging needs to be we're in this together, we are right at the beginning, and we actually need your input so we can create whatever change it is. The Mm. change will be down there, Mm. but we need you here to contribute to the direction that we're heading. That needs to be really clear up front. Um, If it's just consultation and it's that legal version of consultation, then it becomes so... um, meaningless Mm, transactional it becomes transactional and Mm. meaningless so increase the conversations of change that's what's really really important fundamental Um, another aspect is safety so people are just so we're nine number nine no number eight number eight number eight is safety yes (laughs) so number eight is safety yeah Uh, and that covers off a number of different things so this is where we go back to people feeling vulnerable so they might be feeling vulnerable in their position they might think that they're going to lose their job Mm. which is a really scary place for people to be um particularly if they've got that real connection with their job, they've got a big mortgage at home, their family members might rely on them, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So everybody's in different positions with this that. Is that Maslow's hierarchy? Yes, it really? is. Absolutely. So, you know, what I might feel is safe, you might not feel as safe, mm. you know. So it's really about where are we at with that. I might be protecting myself by resisting this change. Because if I put up the blockers and try and stop it, then it might give me another six months in this job Mm. or it might allow me to go, I'm going to go and find a job before you have a chance to to sack me or make me redundant. Because there's always this fear factor that if there's change happening, particularly if it's a technological change, Mm. you know, robots are going to come and steal our jobs kind of deal. (laughs) So if there's a technological change and the word efficiency is thrown around, we want to get more efficient, then people naturally go to that most fearful place, which is I'm going to be out in my ear again, fear of irrelevance, mm. you know. So mm. if I'm going to be out in my ear, I'm not going to be relevant anymore, then what do I do from there? What do I do? It's a lack of self-belief though as well in that or? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, I think fundamentally yeah. it's really do I believe that I'm employable beyond where I'm Correct. at right now? because yeah, it's like, oh, well, I'm speaking from personal experience, and I know I'm, I'm there. Are, I'm not the only one that may feel this way. Mm. I'm different to a lot of others who don't feel this way. But yeah. there was always, there was never a fear of losing a job because I feel like I've got some skills that some other people might want mm. in, in their business that I could add value to. I think is it a matter now then becomes about upskilling yourself. I think there's a huge um, component of that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Look if. My belief is if you're not constantly investing in your learning, whether it's in your technical expertise, your personal expertise, you know, your personal self-development, your leadership, your management, your growth, whatever it might be, expanding your thinking, um, I don't don't care what it is that you're investing in. If you're not doing it, you're being left behind. And as soon you're falling behind, absolutely. And that's the real thing. You are falling behind. So I I worked for an organization a number of years ago um, where we had nurses uh, in this organization. 
And what we were finding is that the nurses that were coming in as new graduates had a higher skill set than the nurses that had been with the organisation for 10 years. And this was a real challenge for those nurses that were looking going, holy cow, these new, you know, new whippersnappers are coming in and they know stuff that I don't know because those, that nursing staff that were there for 10 years hadn't kept themselves current Mm. in the new things that were coming up. They had experience, they knew, you know, they had a lot more experience obviously than these new people that were coming through. But the new people coming through had all these new contemporary ways of looking at things, these new contemporary um, uh, uh, techniques. Yeah. You know, they, they did things in a different way. If the nursing staff that had been there 10 years had kept themselves current, they would be far superior to these graduates oh, because they have the experience, experience on top of it. Yep, the maturity, and they had the current skills. Absolutely. So if you're not keeping yourself current, you're actually falling behind correct i I use the example one of my best mates is a neurosurgeon right Mm. he's almost at the point of his career where he's coming to the end of his studies and he can go out on his own Mm -hmm. become a specialist and all that but right now he's still working in the system and he's been doing it for nine years still studying right so it's a long journey oh yeah and and so he's got he was supposed to have his test to become that specialist during and then COVID happened Mm -hmm. and uh, I remember someone, we were in a, having a conversation and someone asked him, I bet you spewing because you could have almost had your, um, I bet you're upset because you could almost have finished your studies, your learning. Mm. And his response was, I'm going to be learning for the rest of my life. Absolutely. <laughs> for, for me to be, and you use the neurosurgery as, a, as mm. a, an example, you want that person to be at the top of their oh. game all the time absolutely and he's aware of that which Mm -hmm. is actually quite exciting for for adelaide because that's probably that's probably where he's going to be based yeah he's going to be one of the top neurosurgeons in adelaide but Mm. it it becomes about well if if it's if that's what the best in the field are doing then it's the same formula that everyone else should be using absolutely yep Mm. yep totally Totally. And if you keep yourself current, then if change happens in the organisation, it's more in your control. Yeah. So when we talk about that safety and I'm protecting myself, it's because I feel out of control, that right. somebody else has my destiny in their hands. Yeah. If you always know that your destiny is in your own hands, then you feel a lot more self-assured Absolutely. and secure. Beautiful. So number nine. Nine. Number nine. Number nine is about the change process. A lot of times in organisations, people are resisting change because there's actually no really robust change process that's happening. And they just haven't, they don't see themselves in this change picture. They don't know where they're fitting. They don't know where they're up to. They don't know what's actually going on. So being able to have a really robust change process that is very evident and very transparent that's really important. So getting people involved early on, you know, making sure that uh, that faction and that tribe stuff is actually happening and we know, you know, people are moving in, in the direction, understanding who the stakeholders are. So this is a change framework. A change yeah, framework, yeah. 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 Having, uh, managing that, uh, managing the change through a robust change framework. Mm-hmm. Um, ProSci say that it increases the successful outcomes of a change process if you're, ro- you know, managing yeah. it in a robust way by having a sponsor and all yeah. the rest of it involved. In well, what you're just not winging it really, eh? You've got, this is the way we manage yeah. change for all projects or for all changes within 
totally totally so they prosci have done some research and have shown that when you do have that process in place it's a six times better outcome than when you don't Six, six times. times. That's six hundred percent better. It's almost like outcome. the Mexican wave. You can see it coming. You know yes. when the when it's going to absolutely. And yeah. what's my job in this? What's Correct. my role in this? Mm. So you know, because that change process actually provides you with the skills. So mm. if one of the things I'm resisting is because I don't know how to do the change, well, a good change process actually provides you with the skills. A good change process provides you with the vision. A good change process provides you with that security around what's happening when you know remove some of the uncertainty remove some of the um lack of awareness around what's actually going on and what's coming next you know the communication is generally a lot more robust because you've built in those opportunities to have conversations with people Mm -hmm. so all of the things that i've talked about so far in this can actually be um supported not necessarily fixed completely, but supported definitely through a really good change process. It's a lot to take in, though, mm. the change process, isn't it? And you haven't even got to number 10 yet, but I'm just yeah. saying from a framework perspective, you think mm. about, you talk about the project manager can do it all. It seems a lot for one person to manage, you know, especially if it's a multi, yes. multi-million dollar change. Absolutely. Look, I... I believe that a project manager can do it all as long as they're delegating the task element of yeah, it. Okay. So I'll just rephrase that yeah. is when I say the project manager can absolutely manage the people side of the change, I mean manage it. Mm. Not do it, but manage it. Okay. A good project manager will delegate the tasks that need to occur. So yeah. like they're going to delegate the um, integration of that new system with the old system or the other system that needs to be integrated, the same they will delegate the conversations of change that need to happen to either the leadership, (laughs) to the change manager, to the leadership um, team, to the the managers that are in place, the team leaders, et cetera. So they can do it, but they'll need to delegate the tasks yeah. of it because otherwise be on, it's a big job. They need to be on board with it too. Is that more, but so that we're then now talking more about a program sponsor or something like that or are we talking uh, about? Yeah, so a project sponsor is a different role. The project manager manages the project the projects, overall yeah. and all the milestones and tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see the change task is any different than the technical tasks. Yep. They're the same things. They're just they help the project get over the line, the change is part of that. It's part of that, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you have a project that you're doing, you're not thinking about these change things, then it's not going to be successful at the end, oh. you know, or it might go in, like yeah. it might go, yep, I've done the CRM, it's there, it's ready to use, and nobody uses it. It's not as successful. I mean, how many times have we been asked to come in right at the end of a project <laughs> yeah. or redo a project because guess what? Nobody used that old system. Yeah. I don't understand why. It was because you just implemented it and didn't have any change It's thinking. interesting because it, we, we will get, we're, I'd say nine times out of ten we're brought in after the fact, oh, yeah. the project's begun, and then it's a decision that's made that we're going to make this change. Uh company you need to understand this is the change we're making Mm -hmm. you have no choice this is the change we're making and so we're there left picking up the pieces Mm. and trying to remold it and reshape it and get people back onto the bus and make sure that they've got this purpose and vision and why and understanding about it that's right but then in the meantime finance hasn't been 
uh, hasn't been talked to about how does this work within their budgets. And yes. Then, uh, then <laughs> the, the key stakeholders over here, you know, using a CRM, the yeah. data that we're implementing, that hasn't even been discussed. No, and all that's of a sudden, right. The, it's that when the key stakeholders haven't been engaged because mm-hmm. the project is to put in a new CRM. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, anyone can do that. Totally. Uh, but it's everything else that goes around. That's exactly that. right. Yeah. Whether the CRM will actually realise the benefits that you think it's going to provide Correct. to the business yeah. is a completely different thing yeah so, so and that's where a good change you know process is well, that's why it, becomes, it takes a, a good solid project manager and change person oh, to yeah. support that project manager oh to, absolutely to, yeah uh, yeah i mean i would say ideally you would have a really strong project sponsor Mm-hmm. And the project sponsor's role is to essentially move the barriers out of the way at the more strategic level, yep. you know, and be that champion. Open yeah, them, yeah, open the gate and be that real visionary champion, yep. you know, be talking about it, get the executive members on board, you know, really driving in and championing the change. The project manager's role or senior project manager or program manager, whatever the project title might be, the, whatever yeah. the title <laughs> is, is to manage all of the moving parts. Yep. One of those moving parts is the people side of change so they need to manage that um, and bringing in a change manager is one way of being able to do that you Mm -hmm. know but making sure whether they're the change manager or what making sure you've got somebody that actually has that expertise and understands behavior change understands people Mm -hmm. understands the impact of change on people Mm -hmm. understands how the culture and groups interact with the change that's essential as so well it's that as capability. The, as well as all the technical knowledge that goes as, with it. Yes, well. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a big exactly job. right. It's yes. a big job. This is why these people get paid yes. quite handsomely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. So the last one is really um, around a reality check. Mm. Sometimes the change that's actually happening is a really bad change. Mm. It's no good. Uh, and people resist changes that aren't logical, that aren't any good. When they look at a change and go, I don't understand why you're doing that. That's actually messing up something over here. Of course they're going to resist that. What's the new public transport system that the government was thinking about implementing and then reneged after everyone? Hang on. That's not going to work. That doesn't work. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, when that happens is usually because someone, you know, maybe sitting up the top of the organization has gone, oh, let's do this. This would be really good because they've seen it somewhere else or they've heard a whisper that, you know, something's not working and they've had this bright idea, which is great, but they haven't actually consulted or talked with the people on the yeah. ground. So it's like, yeah, let's do this. And it's never, ever going to matter going to work for the people on the ground so the people on the ground are going well that's great that you're going to give us mobile technology but i'm actually working in a space that's got no wi-fi ability whatsoever so the mobile technology becomes this heavy lump of you know technology that i can't do anything with anyway so, so great idea, you, but, but I'm not going to use it because no, it's just a bit I'm of crap going, to have in my I'm car. As business as usual. Yeah. So where does the grey line sit then? Because the grey area, I should say, because there's – sorry, where's the line between black and white? Is because mm. you can 
we're talking about we need to get people involved as early as possible. Mm. But if we get too many people involved, then all of a sudden the pro- no projects are ever going to go ahead. Oh, absolutely, so, yeah. So where, what do we do? How do we yeah. handle that situation? Yeah, well, I think this is where critical thinking and strategic thinking comes into yeah. play as well. So if you're going to get people involved as early as possible, they have to be able to contribute to the outcome yeah. at the end. So you don't just consult for the sake of consulting. Yeah. You don't make decisions by committee. There's none of that yeah. stuff so if that got, actually if happens. If you've got 2,000 people in your business, it's not getting all 2,000 people to have their say. No. It's getting the key stakeholders. Absolutely. To have it's the key stakeholders and getting representation of those key stakeholders. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to have 2,000 voices if 1,000 of those voices are in a similar kind of role. Mm. You know, you really only need two or three of those voices then mm-hmm. just to make sure that you've covered the different elements. Yep. You know, that's where true consultation comes into it. And as a project manager, you don't have to do it all. As mm. a change manager, you don't have to do it all. This is where the capability build for the leaders in the business is so essential when you're running through change. If you are implementing an organizational shift of, of whatever that might be, and you haven't skilled your leaders to enable that change to actually occur and empower their people to adopt the change, you haven't skilled your leaders to do that, then you're setting yourself up for failure as well. Yeah. Because there's a skill set in leading change. So we've gone through those 10. When we are embarking on change as a business, as a, if we're leaders deciding, okay, if this is the change direction mm-hmm. where we're going to take, yep. what, are some, what, what, are, what are some checkpoints? Where do we start? Uh, yeah, so start with the vision. Why are we vision. actually doing this? And Why be really, really clear about that. So um, visioning takes the form of, you know, what's the end game here? Mm-hmm. What What is it going to look like at the end? And then what are the key objectives that sit underneath that? So it might be, you know, the dream is to have this um, uh, collaborative customer-focused organisation. Like that's the dream, let's say. What are the key objectives that we need to get to to get to that? All right, so if it's collaborative, world-class, customer-focused, whatever, so okay, so we need to have the technology that's going to support us in that. So one of the key objectives is to review and, you know, change our technology if it needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. One of the key objectives might be we actually need people who are skilled and capable in that. So one of the key objectives is having skilled and capable workforce. And then under that, that's when the action plans come out of it. But being able to have that high vision and then those key objectives underneath, that actually gives people the the roadmap of change. I don't need to know every single um, line on the project plan if you've told me that the objective is, is to have a clear, a you know, a a capable workforce to deliver customer-centric outcomes then at least I know that if I'm not feeling like I'm, I've got the, the skills and capabilities, fear, number three, I don't have the skills and capabilities, I know that's one of the objectives of the change mm. is to actually give me the capability and skill. Yeah. I guess this is a part of that first. We're going to give, okay, this is our vision. Yep. This is our where we want to go and these are our objectives. Yep. Then do we also include a package of, that says what's in it for you? as the employer and what's in it for our customer? Is that, should that be included in that? Yeah, yes. Or is that later on down the uh, It can be later on. I mean, where you start is in those clear objectives yep. and then, you know, you go down to the what's the actions that are necessary to get yep. to those objectives. One of those actions is going to be understanding the what's in it for me for people. Yep. One of those actions is going to be having 
a consistent conversation about this change that's actually mm-hmm. happening. One of the actions might be um, understanding uh, the, the skills and capabilities matrix across the, the organisation. Um, one of the things might be is going um, what we call a heat map uh, is how many people are involved in all these other projects and is there a team that we have to be really careful of because right now they're actually engaging in 15 changes right now, mm-hmm. you know, whereas this other team over here might be only engaging in one change mm-hmm. at the moment. So are we going to, you know, there's the heat is on for yeah. that team over there. That might be the finance team. How do we support them if they have to be integral to this new change that's coming? Mm-hmm. Do we need to bring in a temporary resource to help them get through this other aspect? Or can we leave the finance team until six months down the track when we know that three of those projects are going to be finalised so then they'll have the capacity to take on something new? You know, so there's a a critical aspect and critical thinking aspect into the if I'm making a change, I've got to know who's going to be involved in it, how they're going to be involved in it, can they be involved in it, do they have the capability and the capacity to be involved in it, and if they're not involved in it, what's the the detrimental impact of that on the change? So there is a number of different things that you go through. I mean, if you you know, talk about the change management processes, there's all sorts of things, you know, you have to do stakeholder mapping and, you know, who's who's who in the zoo and all the rest of it and mm-hmm. what's the impact on them and yada, yada, yada. You know, communications plan, who's going to get the communication when, who's going to deliver it, who's going to be the sponsor, you know, all of those things. So there's a there's a lot there. There's a big kit bag. Yeah, yeah. Where do but people – sorry, go on. I was just going to say that really the critical element is understanding humans. Human beings. The humans yeah. are in this. <laughs> so is, is when you – are embarking on change. You mentioned ProSci before as a process, as a framework. It's not the only one, is it? I mean, No, so ProSci is actually a research company, yeah. so I generally go to them for research. Yeah. Um, so it it's actually stands for professional science is okay. ProSci. Um, ProSci do have a change framework that they, uh, they endorse and they implement, um, which Ad- is called ADCAR. Yeah. yeah, so ADCAR is, is one change framework. But John Cotter is another change framework. Singay is another change framework. Uh, Daniel Pink has a change framework. Yeah. You know, so there's a multitude of different change. So frameworks. it's really what's best for your company, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you know, the, for me, the best is taking all of the different models and actually extracting the parts that actually work yeah. for you. Yeah. I think if you get lost in a model, then it becomes a technical job instead of a people, a human centric yeah, job. You see so many people that just opt. Well, if I'm pros, I go to a pro-sci course. Then, then all of a sudden I'm a change manager. Then all of a sudden yeah. I'm a change manager. No, it doesn't that, worry that that's way. A, It's an interesting mm. concept and yeah. way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And there's a difference in leading change as compared to managing the change process. So, you know. So that's the difference between a change analyst and a change manager? It's a, a difference between a leader and a manager yeah. and a sponsor, a sponsor yeah. and a project manager than the change Mm. professional whoever that is whether they're called change manager change analyst whatever they are the person that generally implements the tactical part of the change process but there are people that are sitting you know in different roles across the business that are actually leading the change so if a new crm is introduced and i'm the team leader of the sales team then me as the team leader of the sales team has a huge job in leading the change and the implementation of that CRM. Yeah. That's not the project manager's job. That's not the change manager job. 
as my job as the leader. So Synergy IQ help and advise businesses through their change programs. What does that look like? So it, it can look like a, a number of different things. It's either we come in and help people in an advisory capacity so we can um, increase the capability within the business. Uh, we work with organisations in what we kind of call the, you know, your startup phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can help design the, the change frameworks for people if they need that, um, all the way to we can be there as the change manager that's actually doing the tactical and technical part of the change. So we're supporting the project managers. I mean, we do project management as well. So we can do the whole kit and caboodle if need be. So we can come in as, you know, senior advisors and make sure that we're, you know, we're setting the process up correctly so you're going to get a better outcome. We can provide the frameworks. We can provide the people to yeah. enable the actual change to happen. So there's all those different elements that that we work in um, from advice to doing the do. Yeah. So either can, yeah, advise or do it for you. Yes. Isn't it really? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We teach you how or do it for you. Yeah. So the key takeaways, I guess, from a resistance to change and managing that is set the vision and objectives early. I think that's probably the most critical thing. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And And be able to communicate them as often and as early as you absolutely can. Get people involved as early and as often as you can. Um, And follow along a, a nice, you know, robust change process. And honestly, you can do that by Googling John Cotter. Yeah. Have you got any advice for people who want to get into the world of change? Probably. I've got advice for everybody yeah. and opinions on everything and advice I think, for everyone. Well, so. there's a lot of people that come to me and say, I'm really interested in, in getting into the, the world of change. Mm. I, I, I value the human element of business. Yep. Uh, you know, something is where do we where, does, where can someone start i guess going down their change journey yeah yeah so i mean there's there's different ways i guess they can start i mean there's a lot of uh, courses and programs that people can do to at least get the jargon and the the language right mm-hmm. um, really engaging in change is about engaging in change so mm-hmm. get onto whatever change program you can absolutely get onto so mm-hmm. if you are within a business and you're wanting to move into that change you know space volunteer for the next project yeah. that's happening get on the project team um, where there's you know the uh, enterprise agreements being um, negotiated and just about to be implemented get on the team yeah. you know get on to as many things as you can that are looking broadly at the organization as a whole you know become the the um, uh, the EO champion you know equal opportunity champion as well because that's a whole change process mm. in itself. Uh, talk with the people in your business that engage in change. You know, go into the HR department and go, hey, you know, when you're doing a restructure, what do you what do you think about yeah. when you're doing that? You know, if it's if it's that kind of change, go into your IT department and go, hey, when you're implementing new systems, what are the things you think about? So, really, just start getting information. So learn. Go, go learn. Go learn. I think yeah. the, the critical thing is you said volunteer for mm. that work too. Uh, mm-hmm. People say, you know, I want to. I guess some of the advice that I, I I give to people is if you are going to volunteer your time, you have to understand that that is over and above the work you oh, already yes, do. Yes, you, absolutely. It cannot, you, the job that you get paid for still needs to be done. Yes. You, you actually need to put in extra effort. Oh, totally. And you will be rewarded for the extra effort that you put in. Yeah. 
more so than anything else because people totally. see that you're keen, that you're interested, that you're willing, you're able. Yes. And that's how you, you then put your foot in front of the, oh, the next person. Totally, totally. If you're waiting to become a change manager by getting the job of a change manager or the Correct. salary of one, then you're never going to become one. Absolutely. That's just the way it is. Beautiful. I think that's all for the resistance of change. Yeah. Thank you very much. No that's worries. been really insightful. And those 10 dot points and the low-hanging fruit of just, you know, sorting out your vision and yeah. your mission of why you're actually going through change and, and setting those clear objectives. That's right. And be human-centric. Yeah. Think about the people within the change. And the journey that they're, they're about they're to embark on. on. Absolutely. It's critical. Thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you, Dan. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.